Hey guys, and welcome to the Life Oasis podcast. My name is Chaim Golazer, grief recovery specialist located in Brooklyn, New York. My name is Mati Khain, life coach located in Brooklyn, New York. Hello and welcome to Life Oasis podcast. With us today we have Yassi Rudel Shliach, singer, songwriter, musician. Welcome, Yassi. Actually, my song Proud Jew is actually from a letter of the rabbit. And when people ask me who I am, I say, first, I'm a proud Jew. Rabbi, singer-songwriter, Italian, and then, I guess, soccer fan. You obviously had to throw in soccer fan, right? Well, yeah, that's like the last. I mean, I, I did forget like minor important things like, you know, father, husband. Just some small details, right? I mean, no, but identity, it's, it's been a, a game changer in my, my life, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Who are we? Who are we? So, Yossi, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm a Jew. And the things that I do and I, I strive for, I'm a rabbi and singer. And I, it took me a long time to, to find the right balance. I guess the, would tie these two together. As a shliach, I am passionate about Yiddishkeit and I'm passionate about music. So I kind of bring both together and yeah, I try to enhance, uplift people and inspire them, teach them how to find purpose in life. And I do it through teaching Yiddish guide here in Carlsbad. I work with singers, I work with teens, and I do music. So, welcome That's amazing. So you said that you work a lot in the music field and you're also a shliya. For you, what was the proper balance and how did you find it? Okay, that's uh, a huge question because, <laughs> I mean, just Hanukkah, just now, I performed five times in a row from Sunday to Thursday night. And I felt... I felt like it was a little too much because in some ways, you know, I think the balance is knowing when you're doing something for the money and when you're doing it, you know, because it's your shlichus, because so I, I definitely have gained a lot of experience, you know, flying around. It's definitely the first time that I performed five nights in a row. So I had to learn, you know, vocally how to do it, how to keep my voice, but I would definitely not do it again because it's it's not very practical, not just shluchis wise, but also family wise. You know, not to be at home. And I did light candles with my kids like uh, Tuesday for the first time, and even that wasn't really you know like Thursday night. No, Friday night was the first time we actually lit properly together, which is sad. It's like almost the end of Hanukkah already, and uh, I mean they definitely got their gifts, but it's it's a uh, it's a huge. You know, I, 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 I like to say that it's not really a balance because balance means like you, there, things have to be equally on, on, on a, yeah, on an equal scale. I think it's more about priorities. So mm-hmm. it's about prioritizing the, the, every, you know, the whole time. So Hanukkah is actually, you know, crazy time for like entertainment in general, because there's so much demand, but you know, so that's when the balance is really challenged, but on, on a daily basis. You know, I, I don't perform that often. Now, now it's becoming more and more, but I definitely try to work a little bit on a, on a song or on my you know, marketing strategy, whatever it is. So yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to balance, but I, I do am like, Hashem. like in the beginning, when I, when I came out on Slichus, I didn't have much clarity and Sometimes like the music saved me in the sense like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I guess I can, I can sing, you know, and Hashem, that has changed. Like, you know, I definitely got my Shlichus game, you know, with much more clarity. I invested in myself. So you mentioned that you've recently been performing. For those of you who do not know, you could find Yossi Ruddle on Spotify. His song Proud You has over, what is it, 100,000 listeners. So do you want to just take us a little bit behind the scenes of Proud You? Do you want like all the details? Whatever you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> no, it's okay. Baruch Hashem. I guess numbers are, numbers are good. We just passed uh, a few days ago, 200,000 streams. Wow. Well, I mean, it's okay. You know, obviously everything is on a scale, but for me to go 200,000 in a few months, literally in four months ago, it was a hundred thousand in four months ago, a hundred thousand, obviously, you know, for me, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a huge deal. The inspiration about the song, okay, the song, the original song is I'm a Jew and I'm proud and I'll sing it. The, the very classical, sorry, but like boring, you know, Jewish song. 
And I always, I always liked the idea of taking something boring or, or just very dry and, and spicing it up, making it fun and, and, and exciting. And it was just kind of, yeah, like one of my, what it's like deep down, I guess it's one of my goals in, in Jewish music to change the narrative that Jewish music is boring and, and impersonal and, you know, cliche, whatever. Now, of course, there's a lot of amazing Jewish music out there, you know, and I'm, I'm just talking about Ishai Ribo and Kalam Benari, you know, these Israeli, the Israeli guys are like, that's, that's the real Jewish music that, you know, that we should call. But I'm saying even, even the, in the mainstream Jewish music, there are some, you know, very good songs, but growing up, I, I, I couldn't stand like so much of Jewish music. And I always, I still feel guilty when, when I listen to non-Jewish music. I, the day that I don't, you know, there's going to be something wrong. So I liked the idea for years, like five years. I, I liked the idea of, of taking that song and, you know, and making it instead of something try to make it fun. And, and I probably have yeah, more than five years. I always imagine in a song, everybody say, ah, you know, and what's funny is it, okay, obviously that's, that's probably been one of the biggest, you know, the, where people get mo most excited from the song and like performing it is, is incredible. Cause like, it's a great, great way to connect with the crowd and make them feel excited and everything. What's funny is Mandy Pellin texted me and he said, Oh, do you know that I made, I made up that chant like 15 years ago. I was like, really? wow, that's cool. The, the way I inherited it was my brother heard it from him and then he brought it to camp or so yeah, somehow. And then being Italian, I. I didn't know, like, it wasn't, I didn't hear that you, everybody say you, you know, it's proud to be a Jew, you, but as an Italian, I heard, ooh, so it's funny because now it became like, everybody said, ooh, but it's really wrong, whatever. Anyway, so I, I had that song, the idea for years last year, last year around January, it was the first time that CT had to do, okay, so let me backtrack last year around this time I started a seating chapter here you know i was just like whatever let me try you know let me try to see working with teens and stuff it was also you know kind of covid so i was like you know i'm not doing anything anyways let me let me start something you know it's the best time to start things so i started working with teens and they realized from seating that the international sabaton is not going to happen because of covid whatever so they they were trying to hype up the idea of doing a virtual thing like just Honestly, like just hearing virtual, I like started to throw up, you know, but they were trying to say like, no, nah, come on, we're going to do it exciting and, and whatever. It, it was really hard because it, nothing compares to, to in person. It's, I thought it was like the coolest Jewish experience, thousands of teens all together in Times Square, having like, just remember, like, I remember seeing like the Rebbe on the giant screen in Times Square. I felt like that was you know, the top of the world, physical and the top of spiritual coming together, like it's just, it, it doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah. And the one thing I find so amazing about that thing in Times Square with CT, it's just when you go there, you feel this immediate connection, this unity, this warmth. It's just an amazing thing to see and feel and just be there. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it, it's, uh, it's a really cool, it's a really cool experience. I, I've been a fan and kind of, it's been my dream to to perform there, you know, low key, but no, not low key. I mean, it's it's been a dream of mine because I thought it was the coolest platform. Anyway, so I'm talking to a rabbi, a city rabbi in LA, at Valley area, Rabbi Friedman. And, you know, we were talking. So he said, oh, by the way, like we're going to do uh, like kind of a general South Southern California event. They're going to show like watch party. So a bunch of chapters were going to come together and, and watch the, the whatever live event. So he said, would you like to perform at the event? I said, sure. You know, why not? I was pretty broke. So <laughs> I'll do anything now. Yeah. I was, I was, I was uh, needing then yeah, COVID, you know? So I said, okay, let's do it. I said, oh, by the way, I have this, ah, this like two weeks before around December last year, I was like at the, at the studio in, in LA. Uh, Israel Dreham, my uh, music guy, he's just insanely talented. And we, Baruch Hashem, we, we understand each other. He understands 
you know, my music brain, you understand, you know, when I want something, how I want it and everything. So we're, we're in the studio and I'm like, hey, can we just try, just try, just do like a little thing, 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 thing. And I'll just sing like whenever I have this song and, and then we can show it, so, you know, whatever. Let's start working on it. So we did a very simple recording and, and then I tell, I speak with, I'm speaking with Roy Friedman and I say, well, do you think I should perform this song like at, at this thing, at this, you know, wash party? He's like, wow, that, that's a good, that's, that's a really good song. He's like, do you like want me to talk to with CT if they, if they want to like do something with it? I was like, sure. It's three weeks before the Shabbaton, the virtual Shabbaton. Sure. You know, they have nothing to lose. So then they, they start talking and then they said, yeah, let, let's do it. They said, what do you want? I said, well, I want, you know, professional studio recording and I want you to make a video. Okay. So it was crazy. We finished the song in like a week and, and then the week later we did a video. It took us two days. And so that, that was kind of the first, you know, the first part. They showed it at the, at the CT virtual Shabbaton, but nothing really happened with it. Like. I had it on Spotify. It didn't have the boom that I expected. Then a few months later, I don't know if it was April, May, the Israel Hamas thing broke up. And it was like the first time that on social media, Jews were like destroyed. It was like horrible. Like, you know, all these famous people saying that, you know, bad things about Jews and Israel. And so on social media, there was a bunch of, you know, famous Jewish influencers that we're trying to do something. And uh, Dalia Ozil, which is a, a pretty big female singer, Orthodox singer, she, she, she found this song. She was like, wow, this song is so like in your face. I'm proud, you know, basically like deal with it. You know, I'm proud that, that this is who I am. And she was like, wow, this song is so powerful. Like, can I make a video with it? So that was like the, the beginning of the ball rolling. And then in the summer, it just, went crazy um like yeah in august it really went all out and after the summer it just became like not just in the lubavitch world but in the world the, the jewish i guess the, the from world they really really got to hear the song and i think i mean the coolest thing for me for like this song the reason i called it proud jew i mean i couldn't call it i'm a jew because if you're not he's kind of called i'm a jew and i'm proud uh, but i mean i'm 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 going really far, but I yeah. just wanted to say that the inspiration for the song is someone once wrote to the Rebbe, he said, Rebbe, can I return my Jewishness? He's like, I, I want you to get rid of my Jewish thing. Like, it's, it's like, it's not fair that I'm stuck being Jewish just because my mom is Jewish. So the Rebbe told him, you see, the difference between Judaism and other religions is that other religions are based on behavior. Judaism is who you are. So you can change how you behave. That's why other religions that can change. Yiddishkeit is who you are because that's it. That's your essence. You can't change. You know, if you're a human being, yeah, you can dream to be a giraffe or a penguin, but it's not like, oh, it's not fair. I can't be uh it's not about being fair. It's who you are. And the key to being, to being happy is aligning your behavior according to who you are. So yeah, that, that's. That's been my inspiration, like finding my identity. When people know, ask me who I am, I'm not a rabbi, I'm, I'm not a singer-songwriter, I'm not Italian. That's my essence. I'm a Jew. I love that. One of the things that I love about your music is that you find this beautiful blend between, you know, modern music and pop music and Jewish music. And even though some of it isn't in Hebrew, like the cover that you didn't for the Nigan Yet Yet, which is actually in Italian, which was amazing. One of the songs that I really love and the first time I heard it, it just touched me emotionally was the song Dry Tears. And I know you were coming from a different place, trying to express a different emotional experience that you were going through, but it brought up in me my own personal emotional experience that I was going through. And it was just incredible. I felt it the first time I heard it. And I feel it every time you hear it again. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, that's probably my like turning point song. Because I, I mean, I, I put out some songs. Unspoken was my first one. It was nothing personal. Like it was nice words, you know, were not mistakes. Feels good to hear that. But it wasn't very personal. Then I put out a bunch of, you know, Nigan and Yet, Free Egypt, an Italian one that 
apparently people like, but it's, you know, it's all in Italian. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's also a very personal one, just not so clearly as Dry Tears. But Dry Tears was a huge, huge deal for me. I, I, I had a song for five years, but I only had like the, the angry part. You know, I know you can hear me, but you know, just asking the whole pre-chorus, I guess, or the chorus, you know, I know you can hear me, sister. That whole part it was, it was full of anger and un, unresolved grief. Yeah, I actually started reading, I started reading the grief recovery book. How is it? I, it's, I mean, I, I obviously wish I, I, I had access to it earlier. I do think that now that I, I've done therapy about my sister, I, I'll be a lot more open to, to receive and grow from it. You know, probably three years ago, I would be like, I don't like this book, you know, because it's, it's very, it's very different than, than, than anything that, that you read about grief. It's just like very take responsibility. You know, you can, you know, whatever it, it was, it's very, very good. I'm uh, really enjoying it. But Dry Tears, yeah, it's been a very, I was listening to a marketing music guy and he was saying that people want to connect with like these days, it's not about, you know, oh, you have a cool personality, whatever. He said, people want to have a connection. And if you share just you, the raw you, then people will connect with that. And I, I was a wreck. You know, I put it out lots of Chavez, August 1st, and I was a wreck. Like I was so nervous because it's one thing, you know, okay, talking to people about it, but then it's telling the whole world, you know, yeah, I lost my pet, you know, I lost a sister. I'm, I'm broken. I have depression, you know, so, but the, the response, like, I appreciate it. You know, Martin telling me that, you know, you felt it. And, and so many people told me like, you know, I, I've had a grief recovery or a grief something. I don't know. I don't know if she was part of the recovery specialist, but something with grief. And she said that she, it's almost like in her assignment, you have to, you listen to dry tears. It's like crazy. One of the things I love about these songs that bring out a certain emotion is that it helps you articulate and find the words to this emotion. Like, I was feeling so much anger about something for so long in my life, and then I heard the song Dry Tears, and it helped me articulate exactly what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, and once I was able to put words to it, I found the way that I was able to handle it and deal with it and actually cope with it. And I find that in a lot of songs that speak about emotions, and I think it's extremely healthy for people to be able to find the correct words on how you're feeling. If not, then it'll just come out as anger, as compulsion disorder, as so many different things. But the moment you have those words that say, I'm feeling A, I'm feeling B, this new way of expressing it and articulating it, you can actually start creating breakthroughs. So thank you so much for creating the song. It's just, it's been amazing. No, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it because, yeah, I the, the more... I, I put out songs, the more, you know, I meet people and ultimately it's like exactly what you're saying. It's, it, you make people feel less lonely, you know, that they hear like, oh, this guy gets it, you know, or yeah, like being able to articulate a song, some words and like, wow, someone understands how I feel. I'm not alone in this, you know, that's all like, I want, I'm, I'm planning to write really like taboo songs, uh, taboo, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a song about suicide. Like, you know, no one does that, but I'll do it because a, I have a little bit of, I, I remember right after my sister passed away, I, I definitely had suicidal thoughts. So I, I, I know a little bit how it feels like but also talking to people that, that, you know, struggle with that. People need to hear, people need to hear what, what, you know. Like I, one of the biggest misconceptions is, oh, like, oh, come on, you know, how can you do such a thing? And, and people don't, don't realize that these people are so full of pain that it's not scary to die. It's scary to live. So yeah, that's it's definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to like, I found myself like, you know, you're always looking for like, what's my uniqueness in the music? What can I offer? How can I stand out? And I definitely think that being the vulnerable or giving giving a voice to things that usually you don't hear in music that's definitely you know something that i, I i'm finding myself in like I, I finished writing a song and i'm working on a music video but a song about purpose i have you know a song about happiness that i i changed i changed the words because it was so like meaningless but yeah i i'm i appreciate you know sharing with me that that it, it meant because it, it it means the world for me because 
I'm not just being vulnerable and just that's it. No, people are are that's the purpose of it for people to to help people. Yeah, I mean it's just so amazing because Yossi, when I first met you, it was like in 2014. I was so depressed, so stuck in my own head. Whenever I walked into a room, I just felt so unwelcomed. And I remember when I just saw you there with your guitar, the biggest smile like across your face, and you were just singing. And you always said you just wanted to spread your message through your music. And like the first song I heard from you was Happiness, which is now sung by Honey Grumblot. The, the literal message of the song, the words of the song is there ain't no road to happiness because happiness is the road. I mean, there's no there's no clearer way to say what your message is. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, 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 I changed that song. I'm planning to, to make my own version of it. And like I had my own journey with happiness. I, I learned so much recently, like from Hasidus, Tanya, and I added actually a bridge to that song. And the bridge is, you, you, I can't be happy if I want to be happy. Because who, who wants to be happy? It's myself. I want to feel good. I, I, I don't want to struggle with the noises in my head, you know? I just want to be happy, you know? But who, that self, you know, call it the Nefshabamis, it will never be happy. It will never be enough. You know, you accomplish one thing, now I want more. I want bigger, better, you know, it's never enough. So if I want to be happy, that's already going the wrong way. If you actually want to be happy, it's about your mission. Like I love this story because it's so, it, it shows you how, if you want to be happy, th that's the way. And it's not, it's not uh, popular, you know, you can't really make, I mean, you could make uh, some kind of a sell, sell a, a finding happiness course or something, but Ramanda Futafas was in, in Siberia for years. And one time this, this guy, I don't know, he was a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor. And he says, Ramanda, how, how are you not broken? He's a small, small guy. There's these huge guys that they get sick. You know, they had no, they were so broken they would get sick and then they would die. So they asked him like, you're a little guy. Like how, how, how do you do this? So he said, well, why are you guys? Because you, you were, you were a lawyer, you were a doctor. And your goal in life was to, to help people, to heal people. And look at you, you're, you're just rotting in, in Siberia. He said, my goal in life is to serve Hashem. And I can do that anywhere, wow. even here, even here in Siberia. So, you know, now I know that, and, and it's still a huge struggle for me, but I know that I like, it's so easy. You know, you watch a movie and you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, if I, if I have this, then I'll be happy. Like the world just help, like makes you feel that if you do this, if you figure out this, then you'll get it. You know, all these self-help books that the, what Hasidus gives you that no one gives you is that, bro, accomplish bigger things and feel good about your accomplishments. But if you want to be happy and, and this, I think like happiness is the road. That's like the, the context behind it is that every, every day there's, there's so many different parts of the day and there's so many meanings. You know, every moment has, has its meaning. So has its mission. So every moment, okay. Like, you know, yeah. So that's, that's the way to be happy, to, to find your mission. And I, I, I really struggle with that. Even being a rabbi, being a, a song, songwriter, I still struggle with that. It's a daily struggle. That, that's the, that's the beauty, the mission, you know, <laughs> if it was easy, then yeah. Yeah, that would be boring. That would be bland. It's actually funny. On my way over here, I was listening to a podcast about happiness. They were interviewing this woman who gave a course on happiness in Yale. And one of the first things she says is that most lottery winners end up depressed, addicted to something, or just find themselves in an extremely dark, dark place. And it's insane because if you think about it, like one of the biggest goals we have is money. Like when we create a, like a life goal, like it's like, oh, I'm gonna have this much money. And we think money's everything. And then just sometimes when we get it, we're like, what is this? I mean, I want money, Mutti wants money. And Yassi, you want money for all the listeners, by the way, who have money, please donate to Yassi and Carlsbad. It is incredible stuff about what he's doing. Okay, but back to what I was saying, the whole thing is we always look for something to make us happy. And sometimes it'll be money or a certain object like we spoke about on our first episode. And just like once we have it, we're like, what the hell do we do with it now? Like we were so happy about it a week ago, but like what now? Or it works very short term. Like, okay, this feels good. Like I'll tell you, uh, I, I was in Florida for, for Hanukkah for, and I, I rented like a, a, a convertible and I'm like, you know, like living the life, you know, I had, I had the convertible down 
I'm like, you know, going on the freeway. I have my Italian song playing. I have the sunglasses, which by the way, didn't, didn't have, they don't have a prescription. So I, I, I could see, but like, I just had to do it for the part, you know, the sunglasses and, you know, but, but I'm like, you know, go and like feeling like a million bucks, you know, like in, in, in my beautiful car. And then literally like two hours later, I'm like drop backing up in the parking lot and I smash my, my, my mirror, my rear view. Yeah. Like the, the left. And it was a good, like, it was a good uh, reminder that bro, like it's so fake, you know, Yeah, you, you can enjoy life. And, and you know what? I, I'd say it in a happiness song, enjoy every moment of your life. Because that, that's really, like, we imagine, enjoy every moment, like, tomorrow lab, you know? It's so, it's so fake. Like, you want to enjoy every moment, then find the purpose of every moment. Like, the people that, that go to cr these crazy parties, it's usually people that are miserable or, 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 like, are confused. So they distract themselves for a while. They have, they have a three-day crazy party. Then they go back to life and try to figure out, you know, wait for the next party. But enjoy every moment means appreciate, you know, every day. Every day has, has its mission. And, and yeah, like breathe in the, the struggle, like the, the, the crappiness of the, of the struggle. And, and yeah, that's how you enjoy every moment. Every moment has a purpose. Yeah. I wish I, wish I did. I, 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 yeah, I take it in more and more. I love that idea. I saw this, this quote from the Rebbe saying the key the key to time management is finding value in every moment. And for a long time, I didn't get that. Like, what does that even mean? And very recently, I actually got the hang of that. And it basically means every single moment has value and it has so much potential that you can do. And there is, there's a few options, you know, there's you know, wasting it away, you know, laying down on the couch on your phone or doing something productive, you know, being angry about it or actually doing something about it and actually seeing the value in that moment. Like, wait, I can do so much in this moment. And, and like these moments that have passed, I could have done so much in them because it's valuable and I can create value in that moment. So that's the key to time management. If you want to organize your time, see the value in every moment, then you'll want to organize your time so well and so productively that it'll just happen automatically. Like you don't have to start creating schedules and then seminars and blah, 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 and, 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 and consultants and whatever it is. The moment you see value, you will see that goal of I, I, I must, I will, I am, I am that potential. I am that value in that moment. I love it. And, and I, I once saw that, I mean, it, I guess it's, it's like the, what's behind time management. Someone said that you, you can't, you can't control time. So time management is really self-management. And I guess what's behind finding the value in time is understanding that you have value. Because you have value that you give time value. And, and it's such a struggle for me, man. Cause like, it, it's literally, it, it's funny because the biggest struggle to, to time management or self-management is your past, you know, like, oh yeah, you went to sleep late last night. And then, you know, you are this, you know, you are, your you keep doing the same mistake and then why can't you figure it out? And then what does that help? What does that create more? you know, time wasting more, not seeing the value in time. So th that's really the struggle. The struggle is to say, hey, I don't care what I did last night. I don't care what I did, you know, many, many nights in my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't define your, your you know, we're not mistakes. There's us and then there's our mistakes. So there's definitely a reason why you make those mistakes. There's some narrative that you're telling yourself. So I know it's not easy. It feels fake. It feels like, Okay, hey, I'm going to just deny that I have this problem. No, don't deny you have this problem. Like time, at, time management is a huge struggle of mine. Like I try to do, you know, almost a perfectionist. So like if I make a schedule, I say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and then I don't keep exactly the schedule. Like, oh my gosh, you know what? You know, they're going to think I'm wasting time, whatever. So you got to remember that, that, you know, being in the moment means the moment before it's gone, focus, just, just be, be right now. It's a, you know, you, you're not going to change every overnight, but that, that's also a huge thing in, in goals. You know, technically I'm not sure yet, but this year I might, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID, the, the new COVID or whatever, but they said that technically I might be, they might want me to perform at the C team thing this year. I don't know if it's going to happen, but the fact 
that it's it's a possibility. It's not like one day they decided, okay, let's you know, we'll 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 you know, you you'll perform. The big goals come from small steps. If I would just think like, yeah, this song this song idea sucks, then that's it. Like you know, you think, okay, you know, let me try. Let me try. You get you you do it. Then you 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 go with it. And so like like the big goals are made of of little steps. So me just telling myself it's okay if I struggle with time management. That's my struggle. That's my journey. So right now, do a little bit better in this. And that small step is you know. And then you you go back and then you back and forth. But that's the struggle. And that's the beauty of it. Understanding that it's it's it doesn't make you weak or bad or 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 less valuable. In fact, your struggle is is your journey. So that's your value. I like that. Your struggle is your journey. So that's your value. That's a great one. Because one of the things that makes us unique, in my opinion, is the fact that each one of us are completely different, not only in our personalities, but also in what we went through. You know, like you have two brothers coming from the same home and they'll experience this journey completely differently. And that's an, that's another element that makes us unique, that makes us different, that makes us beautiful. So the struggles that I have, I can take advantage of them and grow from them or to ponder on them and say, yeah, this is terrible. This is awful. This is my life. My life is disgusting, you know, to hell with everything. Or there is, you know, like all the stories that you hear of all these people who made billions of dollars and all the, the great heroes, they had to overcome some serious struggles, you know, all these people who made all this money, you know, all the millionaires today, people didn't want their products in the beginning. People didn't believe in them. People didn't even want to hear from them and people put them down. And at the end of the day, they grew because they overcame certain struggles. And I believe, again, like we we're speaking about this before the podcast, that someone who truly believes in God, he doesn't think that God gives him difficulties. He believes that God gives him challenges. And it's a whole new way of looking at yourself, what you go through, why you go through it, and also what you will actually do about it at the end of the day. And it's so crazy to even grasp the idea that each and every single one of us were brought down here for a purpose. Like we get sometimes so caught up in this darkness and the darkness becomes thick and we just can't move. We don't want to get out of bed. We become lazy. We procrastinate and we lose sight of our purpose. But, you know, we have to just continue trying because it might not happen the first five times we try. It might ha not happen the first 10 times we try. It might not happen the first hundred times we try, but it will happen. We will get to our purpose. We just have to continuously try. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The purpose is, is I, I talk about it so much and I'm publishing like basically two, two songs about it. And you, you, it's so important to realize that your, your purpose, you know, I think Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, he, he said, if, if you want to know why you're here, you have to know who you are. So who you are, we, we would like to say, oh, who am I? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a songwriter. This is what I do. This is the things that I have accomplished, right? But who I am is the guy that, that you know, but that's me. That's understanding that the struggles, and, and you know what? In some ways, you can, you can grow from struggles, and, you know, you, you, you don't have to always fight with the same stuff. You can get better at it, you know? You can go from, you know, struggling to find a reason why to wake up in the morning to go and, like, okay, a huge thing that I struggle with is going to sleep, you know, at a good time. But it's not, it's, it's not really about going to sleep. It's about why you wake up. If your reason to wake up in the morning is solid, then you go to sleep because, you know, you're not, you know what you're doing tomorrow. You know why you're doing it tomorrow. So, so it's all, but that's, that's the, that's the important thing. Your purpose is your light and your darkness. So I struggle with time management. I struggle with depression and other stuff. I don't have to enumerate all of them. Maybe, maybe the, the, how do you say like the, like the subscribers or like, you know, the people that have the higher tier, maybe, yeah. But it's such, it's such an important thing that to realize that your struggle is your journey. Not, oh, come on. Like, why is it so hard for me? Like, no, it, it's, you know, it, it's so hard to, like you were saying, it's, it's not, Difficulties and challenges. I think that I went went even further. I said it's like opportunities. It's so hard when you're in the in the crap and you're like, mm, this is an opportunity. It stinks. It smells bad. It feels like yucky. 
And yet you have to be like, okay, I made another time. I made another mistake, but like, no, this, yeah, it's, it's like you're saying, go back to God, go back to your purpose and like, bro, this is your challenge. And yeah, it's a, it's a huge blessing to be comfortable with that. One of the coolest things that I learned was that God does not put a challenge in front of us that we can't handle. And sometimes I like, you know, I go through my own past and I look at all the challenges. I overcame them. But each time a challenge approaches me, I'm just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I'm lost. And like, you know, just even starting this podcast, sometimes we're, we don't have to do this. We don't have to make a podcast. But you know what? We're here. We're doing it. And it's been just so, so amazing. All the feedback that you guys have honestly been giving us is so amazing. Just the constant love, encouragement that you give us. It's just amazing. Thank you seriously everyone to everyone who has joined. You know how many times you want to give up on things? Like teens. I wanted to give up on a teen. I like just, I just wish someone tells you, okay, I'll see you can't do this, you know? But I know I have to because no one else is going to do it. And yeah. the teens need purpose so freaking much. Especially the you know the whole social media life style that we live. They, they, literally, if you ask Google what's the purpose of life, there's no straight answer. And and a lot of people have that question, like why why am I here? No, it's it's the good and the bad because the bad really is not. Yeah, that's the point. We're probably gonna cut this out, but there's this book, this kid's book. It's called Why Did Hashem Create Me? You know that I mentioned it before. Really? The there's a bo book. Why did Hashem create me? A, a kid's book. Why did Hashem create me? It's great. And it goes like, some people think that Hashem was lonely in the sky. Some people think that Hashem's a tyrant that like tells us what to do. And he's like a superhero image. And then, and then it goes on like, no, like that's not why Hashem created us to like rule over us because Hashem gave each one of us purpose. And that purpose is to be the best us that we can be. And one person's accomplishments could be could look bigger than mine, but it doesn't mean that I am less valuable and I am less purpose. And it just like goes on. I'm like, this is probably the most phenomenal coaching book I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm buying it right now. It's actually, you know, tonight is it, Davis. That sounds oh. awesome. Yeah, dude, there's so many, there's so many kids, kids books that I'm like, I like this. <laughs> Every time I read it to my kid, I'm like I said, like, this book is so good. And, and my wife's like, you say that every time you read this book. I'm like, I know because it is. Actually, I just wanted to mention something about before, real quickly. I started reading uh, Shara Bitachin, The Gates of Trust. Someone recommended me to read it. And also the Rebbe said many, many great things about it. So I'm still, in the, I'm still in the introduction. But something that you said before really like hit me. He said that we can depend on various things. You could depend on your wisdom. You could depend on your wealth. You could depend on many different things. But at the end of the day, like, for example, wisdom, wisdom changes and, and, and gets challenged and isn't, it's not 100% sustainable. It's malleable. Like many beliefs that you have today could be that you won't have them tomorrow or many things that you think about tomorrow, you have no idea what it is today. So it's not real. And wealth, money comes, money goes. And, and he brings different sources in Taira and in Nach that sort of debunk the whole richness thing and like what are you depending yourself on are you depending are, are you making yourself dependent on money are you making yourself dependent on wisdom or on something that is higher than all that and that is godliness and that's sort of what the whole point of this book is or this chapter of this book is and i'm already i'm like i'm just in the introduction and i love it already and that's something that you mentioned before about you know purpose where are you going to lie your dependency on where are you going to allow yourself to be yeah what what are you yeah yeah, I think that definitely ties in with addiction because addiction is, this is another thing I, I learned. I love the God of our understanding by Shay Stout because the, the problem of addiction is not that I can't control myself. The, the addiction problem is my addiction is a solution for something. It's, that's the problem. So when you're saying, what are you depending yourself on? The addiction is saying, well, life is hard. So I'm going to use this to cope with my stress, with my low self-worth or whatever. So like, okay, so using, using this, but like that stuff is, it's just not sustainable. It's, it's not a, a good plan. So what he says in this book, and, and that's truth, that, that addiction is a spiritual problem. We, we're looking for the truth. Like we're, we need God. We need a, a true thing that that's that's uh, sustainable, that's certain, that's, that's eternal. And uh, we, we keep replacing it with, with, you know, there's so much fake God out there, you know, that, that we can, so, you know, so to speak, replace. 
Yeah, I've, I've definitely upgraded my understanding of him. You know, definitely the fact that I was angry for so long, that was my journey. But through the anger, I, I found a much deeper God, a much more awesome God, because, you know, God wasn't just the one that's, you know, poking you and, and, and giving you a hard time. He has, he has bigger, bigger plans, you know? Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's powerful and true and authentic. And I love that. I love it. Wow. So Yossi, you want to just let, let us in a little bit on what it was like moving from Italy to America and learning the language, writing songs in the language. Okay. So, I mean, I technically moved from Italy to yeah, like Yeshiva. I was in Israel for four years. I mean, I, I still went back obviously for, for, you know, Tishrei or Pesach, but I, I left Italy you know, when I was four, 15 and I always had friends, like my Italian friends in yeshiva with me. So it was always like kind of, you know, never left Italy, so to speak, in some ways. I loved Israel. It was pretty rough and good experience. By the way, like through yeshiva, I obviously I had that trauma that was deep inside, but I like, I guess like nobody knew and you can, you can kind of uh, hide it, you know, for, for I think in yeshiva it's easier to hide in because you have your schedule, you know, you have you have your plan, so to speak. You have your community, your friends. Then I came to I mean, yeshiva, America. My first time was Cincinnati. Wow, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati was my my first year in America. Okay, Cincinnati was pretty rough because there was like nothing happening. No, like I I remember just like going on mitzvahing on Friday. That was literally. The only time that I saw human beings other than like the Bachelor in Yeshiva, it was, it was pretty rough. Then yeah, writing songs. So from Cincinnati, I went back to Tzfat and then I was in New York for, for six months and I got married. So the move to California was, was very hard because again, I think in New York also being in Koilil, so you're not really actually living like a normal life yet. You're still in like the, this bubble of like, you know, all my friends, you know, there's, there's New York is, is happening all the time, you know, especially Nights. there's like, you can always distract yourself and just not think about what, what you're doing, why you're doing. And then, uh, yeah, sorry, no offense guys, <laughs> you guys live in New York. I was saying for me, I was still distracted, you know, okay, this year I'm doing Koilil. I didn't like Koilil, but like it was really hard for me because like, I, I, I can learn for a little bit. I can't learn all day. And like, you don't get paid that much, whatever. It was, it was a, it was experience then. And, and this is where my depression came out in all its glory. When, when I started planning to like, what, what happens is in the summer, you, you stop working and you start fundraising, start fundraising, you get ready to, to go on a schlickus. So not knowing how fundraising works behind it and learning the skill, it's, it's horrible. Like. Just asking people money, it feels like you're needy and, and like, honestly, you don't even know why you need money. Like, yeah, whatever, everybody does it and it just feels yucky. And, and then my biggest struggle was, okay, do you actually want to be a rabbi? Do you feel qualified to be a rabbi? Do you know what, what you're going to do? Who are you? <laughs> you know, this imposter to... syndrome just comes over you. Woo. It was like, it, I, I realized after I did therapy that. The reason that depression came out so strong was because I never confronted myself. And part of myself was that trauma that's like, bro, it doesn't go away. It's still there. And, and, you know, you may not have realized, but all the crap you're dealing with, it's, it's a reaction from all that trauma that's still there. And yeah, it was, it was really, really hard. And, and I started therapy probably the year into Schliches. I was like, okay, enough. I, I gotta, you know, I gotta deal with this. And I did a couple sessions. It was uh, eye opening. Just realizing the, the the trauma is so is so big. It's so someone, you know, a, a sibling's death is is a huge deal, and it, it's a huge understanding the 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 enormity of it, and and then understanding like what my questions were and. Yeah, it was that was a huge, a huge help, and I'm, I'm like seriously considering doing some, some more sessions. <laughs> I think therapy is is always help, always helpful, and we're always, we're always uh, looking to grow. And, yeah, so that was my 
like I think the the hardest thing in California, and you you guys know California. It's and it's funny. I t- I talk to people, and I thought it was maybe like a rabbi thing, but like people are super cordial. But that's it. Californians are really nice, but that's it. They they don't allow you to add, like. It's very hard to make friendships, like real, like honest conversations. Like I feel like there's a lot of barriers. Like people put walls and just like, ah, I look beautiful. Oh my God, how is this day going? You know, what are you doing today? I was thinking, like, you know how hard it is, especially me for like time, time, time management struggle. I go to Trader Joe's and like, what are you doing today? It's like, it's like, please don't ask me what I'm doing today. Oh but yeah. So that, that's been, that's been a, a really hard thing to, cause New York, you still have friends and New Yorkers as, you know, as rude as they can get, they're, they're much more real. They're, you know, they'll, they'll tell it to you in your face. Like, bro, I don't have time for you right now, you know? But at least there's some realness. California, I have a hard time going through that fake. But there's a lot of people that are not Californians. So that's that's helpful. And then, obviously, I'm in the soul business. So, you know, we I have that power to break break the glass. And so, obviously, it's it's different. Also, as Shuki, it's hard to have friends, like, with community people. Because, like, you know, like a big question is, what, what is a friend? You know, I love the, the, the Rebbe story that, you know, the Rebbe said once, a friend is someone that, like, feels what you're going through. And he just, like, he just is there, is listening to you. So, like, part of being a friend is someone, like, it, being able to listen to your struggle. Just be, as Italians, we love to complain. Like, to, like we literally have friends just to complain. But, but because, not because we want to complain, because it's, when you complain, you let it out and, you know, the guy's like, yeah, man, you know, it's so you can't really complain to a community member, like someone, you're his rabbi, you can't be like, yeah, gosh, you know, I have such a hard time with time management. It's like, you can't do that. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's like, you have to, in a way, you have to uphold this persona that I am doing so well because it's my obligation to be the influencer oh. and not the holding hand kind of like, let's have a real intimate vulnerable conversation because then it sort of takes away from that persona of being the image of a rabbi i hate that like yeah you're like put together you know what you're doing and 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 you know you're holy because you're a rabbi come on you know and obviously you can't be like okay i'm gonna break this notion that rabbis are perfect and i'm gonna tell you all the crap i'm gonna you obviously you can't do that but like you have to throw in like the real moments you know, when it's the right time and whatever. And yeah. So how do you cope with that balance? Or sorry, how do you, how do you cope? And where do you create this balance between being a friend and being a rabbi? I guess I, it's been, it's been a journey, like finding, feeling qualified as a rabbi. Yes, I did smicha. I don't feel that I, I, you know, I, I also, this is probably like from, from my, my father's image. My father always knew the answer. He always knew what to say, whatever. And like, I kind of feel like that pressure that I have to always know what to say. And, you know, I, and I, I know I don't know, always have what to say. And so with time, I realized that, I guess, uh, a friend, you just listen. You listen. And yeah, I, I did it a couple of times and it, it's, it's not helpful to like lower yourself. So, oh, I'm, I'm like your friend. And that's, that's not healthy because you're, it, it, what it shows is that I'm not comfortable with being a rabbi because, like, I have to be here, so I'm going to lower myself and tell you something, you know, bad that I did, you know? So that's not not healthy. So what you do is you, I'm just here to listen and 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 be. Be here with you and listen. And, you know, so far it's been, like, yeah, you just be authentic, be real, and there'll be opportunities for people to be like, wow, like, you, you change the perception of, like, what a rabbi is, you know? Like if in a conversation you say, you know what, I, I don't really know what's, what's the answer. That's the being real, I guess. That's the balance. Yeah. I like that. Since we are reaching the end of our podcast at the end, we have our wind down questions that we ask each one of our guests. So the first question is, if you were interviewing yourself right now, what question would you ask yourself and what would you answer? I mean, I, I, I guess it's probably two questions, either like. How do you find, how do you find your purpose? Like on a one, two, three, and what do you define? How do you define success? 
And the answer would be, number one, if you want to know why you're here, you have to know who you are. And who you are is a, you have the self and you have your mission. When you find harmony between that, which, as we said before, the good and the bad, the things you're good at, that's God showing you, you know, go there. And the things that you struggle with, that's God showing you, go there. And finding harmony between yourself, that helps, you know, the world find harmony, people. And that's kind of how they find your purpose. And success is being comfortable with yourself. I like that. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah. Short, simple to the point. Huh? Yeah. Think about it. Successful people, like the really successful people, they're comfortable. They know, you know, why they're, why they're here. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's powerful. The next question we ask is, what three books do you recommend to our listeners and why? I'm the type of guy that I read books. I get excited. I read like five pages and I can sell it to anyone. Like, oh yeah, this is the best book in the world. So Toward a Meaningful Life is one of them. Like it gets my soul happy. Like I, it's amazing. I never passed like the fifth chapter, but I, I'm planning to, yeah, it, it's amazing. Number two would be, it's just a helpful book. It's called Crucial Confrontations. It's an amazing book. We confront things all the time and it's very helpful. And I guess if you have, if you struggle with grief, the grief recovery book, that's, that's a huge game changer. It's so healthy. Yeah. That's the same. So out of those three books, which were, had the best first five pages? Definitely the Tour of Meaningful Life. I think I recommended that book in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal book. Every time I was I... reading it when, when I didn't know English that well, and, and it literally like would make be happy like it was just like the right notes on my soul i don't know it was incredible speaks to you yeah it's real all right so the last part of our wind down is i ask five rapid questions you just answer with the first thing that comes to your head are you ready okay all right awesome let's go what is your favorite go-to rabbi line success is being comfortable with yourself what is your favorite city that you've lived in home milan what is the funniest italian word for americans Samara. What does that mean? It means uh, it's actually bad. I mean, it's like, <laughs> no, it means like you should die. But like, it's, yeah, I use it. I use it for words. The, the bot Samara. It's like very easy to let out some energy. Yeah, yeah bot Samara. It's, it's great. What's the most meaningful thing you learned in making music? That being vulnerable is a superpower. Wow. Yeah, being vulnerable and honesty. What's your favorite thing to snack on? Beastly, the barbecue. Well, Yossi, thank you so much for being here. It's so amazing to see you, even though it's, you know, through Zoom. But uh, we're excited for all your new music. And if you guys have not heard of Yossi, go check him out on Spotify under Yossi Ruddle. You could follow him on Instagram under Yossi Ruddle. Yeah, Y-O-S-S-I-R-O-D-A-L. Awesome. Thank you thank so you. much for listening. Thank you guys for, for having me. And I, I really admire what you do. And I love the fact that you're authentic and real. And this is going to help a lot of people. And I also would highly recommend you listen to his Nishamas podcast. It's so amazing, so insightful. And yeah, Yossi, thank you. Thank you. All right, Chaim. Chaim, Yossi, thank you so much for being here. We love you, man. I love you too, guys. Have a great day.